Welcome to the podcast. It is Live Transform. Bob, Audrey, Jim, we welcome you. And that was that, that was, was me. Well, that was me welcoming you. That yeah. was if I would have had that on video. I know. The, if I could have the had video that on would have video. been priceless. I love what you just did. <laughs> okay. That was amazing. Right, here we go. Welcome to the podcast. It is Live Transformed, episode number two fifty four. Jim, so, good to see you. Well, wait Are a minute. You? I'm oh. offended. I what? <laughs> I gave that wonderful it, greeting to the people, and you cut it out and did it again. I did. I did. Oh, okay, well, do, do it again. No, no, it's over. <laughs> I, I, I've lost the anointing for that. Of course, you Jim, have. Jim created fan noise. Yeah. Uh, the the the, the roar clap, of the, the crowd. Roar. That's right. He did, he did it all for you. One time. Right. And so glad you're there. Um, but no, you won't hear it. So we did it. <laughs> it was it was one of those things you actually needed to see. Yeah, that, yeah, that probably would have been better. It was good. You, you okay. looked pretty funny. Okay, well, welcome to this. Uh, you know, we've got some good, good news today on this podcast. Right. I tell you, last week when you introduced the subject about managing our inheritance, I thought, now that sounds something that I would love to do. I would love, mm-hmm. you're going to talk to us about a parable about managing our inheritance. And I thought that I- I'm inspired. I'm yeah. ready. I want that. So I'm intrigued. And I, absolutely, what I love about you, Dr. Jim Richards, <laughs> sorry, whenever I say that, it's like, so hello, Dr. Jim Richards. What I'm really impressed about <laughs> is that there's, there are twists and there's fun and there's like reading the Bible and being personal with God, like we talked about last yeah. week, it it should be fun. It yeah. should be intriguing and it should be exciting. It's not something that's boring mm-hmm. or dead. Everything about God is alive. Yeah. And so I'm, as I say, so that's why I'm so ready to receive mm-hmm. life from well, today's podcast. You know, the thing that makes it all so alive goes back to something I say over and over and I've said it and probably people are like, oh, are you going to say that again? It, you know, <laughs> If anything you're doing with God is out of obligation, then yeah. it is working death in you. Oh my goodness! Yes, because I think mean, because this means you are giving your time, your attention, and everything to something uh, that God cannot bless. He cannot respond to uh, because because He responds to faith. He doesn't and, even live in the land of obligation, no. so he, he's not there mm. to bless it. He lives in the land of blessing, yes. So, so, you know, when we start relating to God based on who he is, who he said he is, based on his promises, based on his covenant. In other words, you know, faith is never about getting God to do anything new. Faith is always right. saying, will I believe what he has said and done in the past, and will mm-hmm. I bring it into this moment? This moment, That's yes. It. And then exactly. it gets exciting because, you know— uh, Man, so many of these event adventures you know I've shared with our with our uh, people over the years uh, uh, sounds pretty radical and pretty bizarre, but for me it is an adventure because you know I, I when, when I quit my job and start traveling around the southeastern United States, had no idea where I was going to go, had no idea what was going to happen, and I'm telling you, I could write a whole book that would sound like Smith Wigglesworth Life. <laughs> you know, out of out of that yeah. three month adventure journey. or six yes. week adventure, yes. whatever it was. Yes. And so, you know, so for me, I remember I was sitting at work one day and I was reading my Bible. I don't even remember what passive scripture I was reading, but I'm telling you, the Lord said, Turn in your notice, you're going on a trip. That was it. And so uh I did. And uh I made a lot of people mad about that, you know, you know, family, that that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. uh so I went in, turned in, gave him a two week notice, and went home and announced to everybody, I don't know what we're gonna, I don't know what I'm gonna do next, but I turned in my notice today. And so then it becomes not this thing of fear, not even this thing of trying to figure out what's coming next. It becomes this new level adventure of the Holy Spirit opening up this realization that this is what you're going to do. This is, and then you meet somebody, you know, that, that, that serendipitously happens to be the exact person you need to take that next step. And then, yeah. you know, and all these pieces come together. And so, you know, you get to live this magical life of adventure, of excitement, and ever, every part of it verifies who God is and who he said he was and how much you can trust him. 
You know, one day I was at work and I always, always, when I had a regular job, I always carried a notebook and, and a pen with me because any Holy Ghost idea I got, I always wrote it down. I've done that yeah, yeah, my yeah. whole Christian life. Yes, yes. And so, um, so uh, I, I started getting this sense that I was going to go somewhere and preach that night. Well, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I had no idea. I, you know, nobody invited me anywhere to preach. I had no clue. And so I, I just made a couple of notes in my little notebook, stuck it back in my pocket. And so uh, I, I, they send me over to, to work with this guy. This was, this was at a Thakal Chemical Corporation, and we made rockets to blow up the world with. You know, that's a godly thing to do, of course. And uh, so they sent me over here to build rockets, <laughs> or one phase of building rockets with this other guy. And so um, he says, uh, what are you doing tonight, preacher? They all call me preacher because I was always sharing Jesus with them, you know. Uh-huh. What are you doing tonight, preacher? I said, I don't know. I said, I think I'm going somewhere to preach. He's, he, I said, well, why? He said, well, I, he said, I wish you weren't going somewhere to preach. He said, because we're having a revival at our church. And he said, man, it has been just phenomenal. I'd like for you to come. And I said, well, would for good, but I'm going somewhere to preach tonight. So <laughs> I go about my business. He goes about his business, and and mm-hmm. um, uh, and where he where where they were having this meeting was in a very rural area. Would not be the kind of place that would really like me very much. And uh-huh. so uh, <clears throat> I go home and I walk in the door. I'm like, listen, I got I got to get a shower. I'm going somewhere to preach. And you know, my wife was like, where are you going? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and but I go in there and jump in the shower, start praying, worshiping, and uh, it's like, okay, God. I don't care, you know, I don't care if I don't, you don't give me this message until I'm ready to walk out the door, but I'm getting ready. I'm going to be ready to go. Yeah. So when you yeah. say go, I'm ready. Yeah. And so about the time about the time I get to the end of my shower, I just get this sense of you're supposed to, you're supposed to preach at that meeting that a guy invited you uh-huh. to. And I'm like, I don't even I don't even know where that place is because I didn't get an address, didn't get directions to it or anything. So I thought, okay, I got a general area. So I get out of the shower, drive, change clothes, hop in my car, tear out. It's about a, it's about a 30 mile drive. You know, so I tear out, out in this rural area and you know, there's no street signs. There's no nothing. You know, you just, right. you just drive around hoping you find where you're supposed to be. I, can I just enter in? I yeah. hate that. What? I hate driving around not knowing where I'm no, going. You, Bob, you Bob loves it. Bob, I have no, I don't like that. That no, control you in just, me. You're just saying that. You're no. just saying that because you <laughs> you haven't experienced it in the right context. I like doing it when I'm walking. Yeah. I like like I like following the voice of Jesus. But just imagine. But if, driving if, around when Bob doesn't know where we're going and going, I think oh, it's around here somewhere. Says a whole other thing. This is really about Bob driving. It's not because yes, it you're is. not in control. It's, not, we, it's when I was in the driver's seat, I wouldn't mind. See. But when Bob is doing see, this, I am not okay. As a whole see, I told you context. I you just, we, you gotta put it right context. I think we should turn here. I'm like, do you want me to look it up? No. <laughs> okay, we'll just drive around until we figure but it out. Just, just imagine if you were sitting <laughs> in the car and all you knew was God saying, "I'm gonna, I'm taking you somewhere to preach, and I'll show you where to go." I mean, I've done those. I, I have. But, but, I did it a couple of weeks ago. But I you went, love that stuff, don't you? I loved it because I was listening to See? the Holy Spirit, and I love, and I, and the result was amazing. Yeah. I, I literally had an extreme divine appointment. So there you go. So you do like it? See? Okay, I, I do I love do. it. Okay. I don't love it when Bob does it with me in oh, the passenger okay. seat. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, so I I'm finally, still in the room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I am still right here. I'm trying to protect you, Bob, anywhere I, I can. Know. I was trying to I help know. you here. <laughs> yeah, so she anyhow, used to. I, I she, used to s- <laughs> she used to sing that song. My Bob is an awesome Bob. I, I'm not feeling that right now. Yeah, I'm not feeling that either, Bob. <laughs> maybe my Bob is a crazy Bob or something like yeah. that. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, I find this church out here in the boonies, and man, listen, a rural, a very rural Baptist church is more like a Pentecostal church than a Baptist church. Very different. And I'm telling you, you can hear the people carrying on, you know, all the way to the backside of the parking lot. And you go in there, and I mean, people That's are good. stomping and dancing and hollering yeah. and, and moaning and groaning and carrying on. And I remember my, my very first thought was, I don't know if it's the right place. These people ain't going to like me. They're, they're, they're too, you know, they're too Pentecostal for probably like me. So I go in, and I sit down, and uh, so I notice that the, the worship service keeps dragging on and on and on. And on the Holy Spirit's like, go tell him you're here to preach. 
And I'm like, I, 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 I'm not going to do it that way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so finally, he gets up and says, the our, our guest minister, we don't know where he is. We don't know what happened. We don't know if he got lost. We don't, we don't know. And he says, so, you know, we're going to sing a few more songs. So everybody... Everybody that wanted to preach that night got up and testified. I mean, they spit uh-huh. it and slobbered and stomped and clapped yep. their hands and carried on. And so finally, I thought, okay. So I just walked up, up to the platform while some guy was, and what they were all trying to do, they wanted to be the one to preach. You know what I mean? So they were carrying on. So I went up to them and said, look, I, and here's my exact word. I said, I said, I know you don't know me from Adam's house, cat, but I'm here to tell you, your preacher ain't going to show up tonight. God sent me here to preach. And we just, our eyes locked for, seemed like about a week of silence, but it wasn't. <laughs> but, and so the very first thing he says, what denomination are you? Oh, my God. And I thought, I said, I'm Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's like, okay, go sit down. So, man, he went on <laughs> and on. I mean, they drugged the song service on and they carried on. And so finally, and Christian, I'm sitting there thinking, by this time, this guy may have already come in and be sitting on a platform. You know, he may think I'm crazy. So anyhow, uh, finally, he go walk, strolls up there to the pulpit and says, you know what? First, he said, when I became a pastor, the first piece of advice that the man who ordained me was never let anybody preach in your church that you don't know. And uh, he's and he said and the guy that ordained me is sitting here watching all this tonight. He's but, but here's the deal, he mm-hmm. said, a young man just came up here for a few minutes a few minutes ago and told me that our speaker wasn't going to show up and that God sent him here with the word to preach tonight. And uh, he said, you know what, I believe him. And so you know, I got he called me up there. I went and preached a, a message that God had put in my heart. Had a you know incredible move of the Holy Spirit, people getting saved, people dealing with issues, all that kind of stuff, you know. And so, you know, that's an adventure. Mm-hmm. And man, yeah. I, I, I've had those adventures all over the world, and you guys have, have have had them too. And so, so following the Holy Spirit is not a burden. It's, you know, mm. it's not it's not a it's not a works thing. It's it's, it's, no. it's just walking with God into all these different adventures of your life that can't be explained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you share that story, you oh. know, and so that was uh, a, a pivotal uh, moment in your life. You know, your, your, uh, with regards to your work, your family, yeah. your education, that you know, walking in mission. I mean, life. that was a huge, yeah. you know, transitional yeah. season for you. But it didn't end there. No. You see, and so, you know, I don't want my listeners to think, oh, that was then, but this is now. No. No, no, no. That was this the beginning. Is what we, yes, that was the beginning that now this is, a, this is the way that we live. Yeah. Like, I see you doing the same thing now, exactly. last week, oh, yeah. everything else. Every phone call, every moment. Like, this is, this is uh, our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a phone call last night. Oh, first, I got a text from a pastor. Now, you know, I stay in contact with pastors that, you know, want to have connection and that sort of thing. I'm so mm-hmm. busy, I am not out looking for things to do, and I'm not looking for friends. <laughs> but, you know, but I, but I still have a lot of meaningful relationships with some pastors I love and respect. So, you know, I, I get this text that says, I, uh, I need to ask you for some advice if you're available. So I text him back, and I said, <clears throat> I said, look, right now is going to be the best time for me. I'm going to be really busy tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so— Brenda said, I said, Brenda, I've got to go make a phone call. I said, and she said, so what's it about? And I said, well, Pastor so-and-so called me. She's like, well, is he in trouble? I said, no. I said, no, you know what? I think he's going to call me about problems happening in his church. I don't think he's in trouble. So I come out here and sit down. We start talking. And, you know, the minute he tells me who the guy is that's causing the problem, I immediately – and I can't even explain this, but I and this happens to me all the time. People will come to me and they'll they'll start talking about somebody there in conflict. I will see a picture of that person, and I will see a certain mm. look on their mm-hmm. face, mm-hmm. and that one look gives yes. me everything I need to know. That's right. That's Bam. that's exactly oh. how it it works. Yeah. 
And so, you know, I was able to, to bless him, you know, help him. Yeah. And really, he he knew what to do. I mean, he, he yeah. was a good pastor, but he just didn't want to act without without talking sure. to somebody and being, you mm -hmm. know, being responsible. But, but anyhow, all of that to say that uh, we're, we're not encouraging you into something that's rigid, mm -hmm. that is difficult, but this will not kill you. This is not the kind of stuff that kills you, that brings death into your life, because this is always about life. It's always mm -hmm. about God breathing new life, new wisdom, mm -hmm. new insight. And and it's not the kind of insight where you're just sitting back and, oh, ho, look what I know. No, it's the kind of insight that gets you up talking to people and ministering to people and serving people, mm -hmm. and then going back home at night and going, man, a lot. I don't know what they got out of that, but I got a lot out of it. I feel you better. Know, oh, isn't that true? Yeah. I had several sessions yesterday. I can tell. I, I of everyone, there was, they were incredible how the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And we're talking about when I pray at the beginning of sessions and I say, before we start talking, we're just going to just use a formality of just surrendering this entire session yeah. to the Holy Spirit and Jesus, because I'm not that great. But that's not just a formality. That's my heart. Like no. when we start a session, this is that we might have some kind of certain things that we usually do, but we're open and ready for what the Holy Spirit wants. Yeah. But everyone I can save yesterday, they received everything they needed, but everyone I got something out of. No. I, I like The Lord blesses us when we give no. and when we pour out. But when we follow His leading... It's yeah. always win-win for everybody. No. Some people think if I give that much, this morning I was talking to a gentleman, if I gave that much to my wife to live without expectations of her, and I was just challenging him to just cut the strings of, of, of obligation to her and just cut the strings of expectation unless you want to keep being disappointed. And I'm not interested in being disappointed. Right. So I just just put the, ex, you know, the expectations just don't have to be so, yeah. you know. Anyway, he said, if I gave her that much, I would feel like I lose. I said, well, that's where your belief system isn't working well yeah. for you. You know, anyway, stuff like that. And I thought, wow, that was exciting to see that him turn around. The light came on. He goes, this is going to be different today. I said, yes, it is. That's those situations where you just kind of think, man, where did, where did that advice I gave them just come from? <laughs> right. It's not from us. It's the Holy Spirit. We're hearing him all the time. Mm -hmm. It's daily. It's not, it's not just certain five times in our lifetime. It's every day. Well, you know, and we have to remember that, you know, scripturally speaking, and, I, you know, I know that we've probably touched on this some, you know, in the book of Romans, where it starts talking about uh, those who are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And see, because we have made the term, because, because we have made some of these terms about the inheritance, about being sons of God, children of God, you know, we have made these to mean things that the Bible never meant for them to mean, we lose connection with the fact that anytime the Bible is talking about sons of God, it is talking about a person who has developed and matured and has the capability of managing their inheritance. And mm -hmm. so being led by the Spirit is not just about this a general concept of being led by the Spirit. It's talking about being led into the ways that you take hold of your inheritance. You, you see, experience it now. You manage and protect your inheritance as an heir of God, as a son of God. And But again, we lift those, those scriptures out of context, mainly because we don't know enough of the Bible to even know that there is a context. But, you know, one of the things... Uh, uh, I want to touch on. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. So if 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 I need if we need to stay there for another minute or two, I'm I'm good with it. Whatever you you guys are good. Yeah, to let's do. keep going. No, yeah. we're good. So in the modern what I call fake grace movement, and I know that probably sounds pretty insulting, but there's just not another way to say it. There is a movement that has redefined grace has taken dozens of words in the New Testament and made them all synonymous. So, so you suddenly start losing all these unique characteristics of mm -hmm. truth that God is trying to bring into your life. And, you know, because if grace and mercy are the same thing, then you don't understand the benefit of, of going to, uh, to him in your time of need. And, and he actually says, you, you come to the throne of grace, your time of need, you get grace and mercy. And so, and so, you know, every time you make one word synonymous, I don't think there's two words in the Bible anywhere that are synonymous. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think they overlap. I think they they bring out shades and aspects of of a particular truth. But I don't think they're I don't think they're synonymous because if they were synonymous, God would use the same word and correct you know every time, so it mm-hmm. wouldn't, wouldn't confuse us. So, so um um. As we talk about the fake grace movement, one of the things that has I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the, like the top two things. I'm not going to go very far, but I want to show more than one example. For example, the people who believe the unbiblical concept of grace, they would say that anything that relates to keeping any part of the law or the commandments is, in fact, dead works and uh, uh, and it. And it messes you up. So, you know, you read that and then you jump over here. So, so then they're saying to have no law is the way to be free. And in the Greek, that's the word anomia. Well, what's interesting is when you look at what is going to give rise to the Antichrist and to the destruction of the entire world is no law. Yeah, lawlessness. Mm-hmm. So now you have you have rejected God's word. You you've taken something and shaped it into your opinion. You've shaped it into what you want it to say. And even though it is it is by default calling God a liar in dozens of areas, you're still holding on to it as the truth because you choose it to be your truth. Mm-hmm. So that's that's just that's just one example. But now let's jump forward to just another word or another concept. And this word is reward. So the moment you start talking about a reward, this group of people says, oh, no, that's works. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. if God gave rewards, then uh, then or if you went to God for a reward or expected a reward, you would be in dead works. And it's just going it's going to mess you up. Well, the only problem with that, you know, uh, Hebrews 11, six says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, again, and these same people bash faith, again, because they redefine it. They don't, uh, they don't accept the biblical definition of faith. Faith is just trusting mm-hmm. God. It's just that simple. And so trust is not based on what somebody might do in the future. It's based on what they've committed to do in the past. So, so, so uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So now mm-hmm. we're talking about a pretty serious uh, realm of, uh, to consider here because we're talking about a, a, a scripture that is saying how you in, how you accept this scripture determines if you will ever please God or not. Yeah. But this is uh, almost a starting point for many people. Yeah. And that is, you know, I come to God because I want to please God. Mm-hmm. And so it, they find themselves at this fork in the road where it's almost as though, you know, do I want to please God or will I in faith trust God? Yeah. And and so, I mean, it's a great question to even ask yourself, you know, what what has been the motivation, you know, in my mm-hmm. life? And that is to please, mm-hmm. you know, which really comes from a place of obligation, or mm-hmm. am I going to move in faith and begin to trust? Well, see, that is one of those interesting kinds of questions where where you create a, a, a dichotomy, or maybe it's uh-huh. not a dichotomy, uh, two opposing realities. It's not really a paradox. It, it is two actual opposing realities that don't exist by asking the wrong questions. Yes. If God were to say, uh, if you really want to please me, then I want you to get a... 20 penny nail and a hammer and I want you to go hammer a nail into that tree over there and you go over there and start to try to hammer that nail into that tree and it's really hard wood and so you bend the nail and so you get you know I've got wood like that in my basement there have been times I go downstairs I think you know I'm gonna put a hanger right here and I'm telling you that wood is so old and so hard like bam nail bends bam the mm-hmm. next nail bends Bam. I mean, honestly, it would it would take forever to get it, to drive a nail in that stuff. So let's say you take five or six tries that and you say, well, you know what? I think what would really please God if I put a screw in this. So you get your electric screw gun out and you screw a screw in it and you're like, God, doesn't that please you? Well, no, it doesn't. 
because he didn't ask you to put a screw in there. He asked you to drive a nail in there. Now, it's not he's not trying to be hard, but he's giving you some kind of instruction mm. that will benefit you in your life. You know, there's nothing God mm. ever really does. I mean, in the end, if it actually really benefits us, then it is always, then it benefits him. And it, and it benefits him in a way that, you know, that, that he can take it to the world, take it to help other people. Mm-hmm. So, so the thing is, you know, God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything, you know, from us. And so, so really, when you're pleasing God, the, the real truth is you are always going to end up uh, doing something that's going to please you and going to benefit your life. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> so it's not that he cares whether there's a nail or screw there. What he cares about is which one is going to protect you and which one's going to mean you can tie a rope onto it and when the hurricane comes through, you you won't get blown away, you know, you know whatever. So anyhow, so it says, so, so the real truth is, if, I, if my desire is to please God, I don't, pers- I don't run forward saying, okay, now i got to find out how to please Him. If I want to know how to please Him, it tells me. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So evidently, it means with faith, I can please Him. So here's the deal. If I want to please God, I don't have to go pick out which work I prefer. I don't have to go pick out which thing is convenient for me. I'm just going to live by faith, which means whether I'm reading the Word of God, whether God speaks yes. in my heart or whatever, it, what He speaks, I will trust and if it calls for some type of obedience, I will obey it. Mm-hmm. Just as simple. So without faith, it's impossible to please God or please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. Now, what's interesting about this, this is showing two dimensions of, of that have to kind of come into, have to be factored in if, if we're really going to be in faith. And please God. You know, um, the way God would express his name and his identity uh, in the Old Testament was so that if you believe that he is, you are not believing in a general concept of God. You're not believing in a concept of God that you made up or that your church or your family made up. You, you are looking at a concept of God that he presented of himself. So it's not just the fact that you believe he exists. And, that, you know, this would be one of the places we talked about last week where a lot, why you can't use these alternative translations to do serious study and serious translation work because mm-hmm. most of them right here would say you have to believe that he exists. That is completely wrong. Because, I mean, there are millions of people out there that believe that God exists, but they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe mm-hmm. in who He was in the Old Testament. They don't, you know, they don't believe His mm-hmm. names that He has revealed. Mm-hmm. So they're really saying this verse is telling me that I need to believe in a version of God that I'm comfortable with. Right, right. But it's not. He's saying you got to believe that He is, and that's mm-hmm. where you get into believing that I am. Yeah, I am who I am. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And then, he, then from there, he says, and you've got to believe that he is a rewarder of those mm-hmm. who diligently seek him. Well, what, well, wait a minute. The fake grace people would tell me that if you are believing in any kind of rewards, that you are in legalism. You're in works. So let's make a d- distinction here. W- works, dead works and legalism are always about righteousness what it takes to be made righteous. Legalism says you earn it. You do performance. You do works. Uh, but, But it's not legalism to do something that God clearly states that he will reward. Yet, these same groups of people, and one of the reasons I'm I'm not hitting this because those people are listening, and I think I'll correct their their messed up theology. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sharing this because I'm telling you this is what it, this is part of the darkness that is coming on the face of the earth right now to believe in any version of God you want to believe in, and and to right. believe that there is nothing to do. You just you just believe. You know, I heard a guy that was a best selling author. I was doing a meeting with him years ago. 
And uh, and he just said, look, anybody tells you you got to pray to make anything happen. Anybody tells you you got to use faith to make anything happen. Anybody, t- he, he's like, anybody that tells you that, uh, they're leading you into legalism. Hmm. And so basically what he left you with was, okay, here's what I want to have happen. So I guess I just got to sit here and wait till God does it if it's his will. Because really, people who get into that degree of fake grace become sovereignists, the very thing that they hate and the very thing that they were against when they first started down this journey. Hmm. So if God calls himself a rewarder, mm-hmm. then I cannot in any shape, form, or fashion imply then that uh, uh, that rewards are a, a form of dead work or a form of legalism, mm-hmm. Right. Can you right. say that one more time? Rewards or not? Okay. Go ahead, Bob. You, 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 yeah. might, you might say it a little bit better than I would. Well, I think it was simply this. Rewards are not mm-hmm. in any way or in any form an act of dead works or legalism. No. But okay. that is what they are saying. Correct. And so, th- again, this means, I don't, I don't care how you try to justify it, this means you are calling God a liar. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Because when you start when you start redefining the character and nature of God and you're not doing it based on the word of God and based on the life teaching and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are rejecting God's word as being valid. You're rejecting mm-hmm. what he has revealed about himself as as being true. So rewards fit into this thing rewards and inheritance fits into this whole concept of sonship, of mm-hmm. coming to a place in my life where I'm managing my life and my resources and, you know, my access to God. I'm managing all of these things in a way that, that they, they benefit me, they benefit the people around me, uh, they benefit the kingdom of God. So, so it's all being done in, in harmony with mm-hmm. God's overall overarching uh, factors. So right. now one of the, one of the, go ahead. Were you going to say something? No. Oh, okay. I thought no, one of you said something. So again, one of the things that ha- that has that religion has done over the last couple thousand years, give or take a, a day or two, they have convinced us that Jesus' teaching was about how to get to heaven or hell. Right. And so. At the end of all of his parables that he identifies as parables of the kingdom, you end up saying, okay, this person ends up wailing a gnashing of teeth. Okay, sounds like hell to me. And, you know, this, and this person ends up, you know, in something else. And, uh, but the problem is, if Jesus says a parable of the kingdom, it's not about heaven or hell. It's about how we live and function in the kingdom, how we manage the resources that are within the realm of the kingdom, how we guard and protect our inheritance. And like we established, you know, last week, if we're using, and you know, one of the, uh, again, one of the reasons people get so confused reading the Bible is they don't use the Bible to explain the Bible. They will read a scripture and instead of finding all you know, one of the things I did, and I bet I, I bet I did this for 20 years, any scripture that I got interested in, because, you know, one of the first books I bought was a Naves type topical Bible. Mm-hmm. And so if I, if, if I got interested in any scripture, I would read every single scripture in the Bible about that subject. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, I didn't want to go off on just my own opinion or what right. my pastor said or what some church said or what some commentary said. And so and so uh, we don't use the Bible to interpret the Bible. And by the way, that was one of the things that early Catholicism did very deliberately was they outlawed the Old Testament and made it kind of against the—well, not kind of. They made it against the law to, to read the Old Testament. They made it against the law to celebrate any of the uh, sacrificial you know, feasts and all that kind of stuff. And uh, because the I like the way uh, uh, Chuck Missler says this, I'm, I'm stealing one of his sayings. He says the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, yeah. and the Old Testament 
is in the New Testament revealed. revealed. And isn't that, isn't that a good saying? I don't know if yeah. he was one that came up with that or not, but I, I thought, man, that, that's too good not to not to share. So, so we fail to realize that in the New Testament, there's nothing new. Right. Because it's all been prophesied. It has all been foretold. Now, mm-hmm. it may we may get a new we may get some expansion on it. Yeah, yeah. But but it's, it's 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 all there. So so when I read something that Jesus taught that I really need to understand it, I don't just go out here and say, "Well, I wonder what society says about this. I wonder I wonder what the Talmud says about this. I wonder what the the, the Greeks said about this." I'll look up all those sources. That, that's not. It. But at the end of the day, I make those sources surrender to the Scripture, the Word of mm-hmm. God. What mm-hmm. does the Scripture say? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so if you do that, you'll you'll never get deceived. Mm-hmm. You'll never go off the rails mm-hmm. on some on some weird doctrine. Mm-hmm. But you know, one of the things I, I discovered some time back, it took me a lot of years to be able to put this into into any meaningful verbalization. I started real and I use you know most with me most of the time I start off with some kind of terminology or something that maybe is not really correct and is not as good of a terminology but you know the more I look at something the more I start saying oh well wait a minute I start like for the longest I didn't say gospel of peace because I didn't know it was gospel of peace I I would say good news gospel it's got to be good news it's not good news not it's not the gospel but you know so, so you know the more you read the bible the more it would expand yeah. So, yeah. So you know, uh, uh, when I look at the scripture, I tend to understand who God is is, or as how He's being represented in scripture, more by the patterns that are created every place that that subject is mentioned. You know, if if you're if if you're reading about anything and you find 10 or 20 references to that in the Bible, those references are not going to be there necessarily to specifically repeat themselves. They're going to be there, like we said earlier, to bring, shine light on different dimensions of the same truth. So there you got a pattern. But you see what I'm saying? It's like saying God is good and having nothing, no context to bring it into could go anywhere. Well, mm-hmm. well my, and where it's going to go is to my definition of good. Right. I'm going to, whatever I call good, I'm going right. to say God calls it good. Mm-hmm. But when you say, well, well, God is good, he forgives sins. Oh, well, wait a minute. Wow. That's a new dimension. Yeah. And then later on, you're, 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 saying, you're reading God is good. He meets all the needs of yeah, the believer. He oh, well, wait a minute. Oh, well, that's pretty. And amazing. so every time yeah. you find good, connect yeah. it with something. Yeah. Then you come up with a with a concept, but even more than a concept, you come up with a a pattern. Yes. And God is revealing Himself in this pattern of making mentions about these things over and over again. Yes. 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 So, so. One of the things that we have to do in Jesus' teaching about the parables is we need to go see what, when these subjects were mentioned in other places, what were they saying? What were they talking about? Mm-hmm. We just got to do that with everything from another trip. Yeah. But context is so valuable. Oh, I yeah. mean, it is absolutely the most valuable. It is really, as a mature believer, we really need context. Like, that's just, that's just how important context is. Otherwise, we really are fooling ourselves. So well, I, I appreciate this. The what's really interesting, and I, I, didn't, I didn't think this, or I didn't know how to say what I'm about to say for years. And, mm-hmm. You know, on, uh, on context, there is the microcosm and the macrocosm. Mm, yes. So. Yes. I'm I'm reading a verse, you know, one verse so is talking true. about something. Mm-hmm. And so in the microcosm of that mm-hmm. single verse, I'm, I'm able to see it the way God's presenting it. Yes, yes. Can't lift it out. If I lift it out of it, then I'm just making stuff up. Mm-hmm. But when I get 20 verses 
that each one of them I'm understanding in the microcosm, the smallest aspect of, you know, of it. Then suddenly that now reveals itself in one of these big contexts, which, which I'm calling a pattern, which is the macrocosm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, you just find yourself going through dimensions of understanding who God is every time you read one of these different aspects. And, and you're never denying that this right here, or you're never saying this right here contradicts this over here. You're, you're just saying, no. You're this, layering it up. You're yeah, layering all down and layering up, and it's all beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing. Yes. So I, I wanna, I, I'm going to talk about, see, all that was introduction. I hope yeah, everybody knows I, that. I, I can tell because you have not started talking about a parable yet. So I'm like, okay, 15 so, more minutes, baby. Give me, give, me, give me the meat. You know, one of the things that we used to do, we used to, if, if one of our Bible college students really was becoming an effective communicator, helping people, you know, from time to time, we would let one of our Bible school students preach in our congregational meetings. Mm-hmm. And so I'll never forget there was a guy that was doing well. And uh, so he was preaching, and he was just really getting a hold of the grace concept. So he made this statement, and he said, and he was preaching from the parable of talents, of the talents. Mm. And we'll, we'll look at that if anybody at home wants to open their Bible to that. So, uh, and he said, and he read the verse where Jesus says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into, you know, whatever. And I'll never forget him saying, and all I have to do for God to say, well done, faithful servant, is just believe on him. Hmm. And I will never forget a sorrow came into my heart that night. And I remember saying in my own heart, it's like, if this guy doesn't correct this, he will end up in, in, incapable yeah. of managing his life. Yeah. Well, you know where he is today? Incapable of managing his life. I was going to say, incapable of managing his life. He cannot get his life to work. But Mm. see, once he embraced that concept, which was the fake grace concept, once he embraced that, then he started building his identity, his theology, and everything on that. And he got so invested in it, he couldn't admit that it was wrong. Ah. And so we we have to watch that. So Mm. the parable of of the talents. If you go, if, if our if our readers or listeners will go to Matthew twenty five, we have this, you know, this parable. This, now, a parable is is not a simile. It's not parables are not just made up stories per se. Uh, parables are are parables generally take things in daily life or in nature that people understand to mm-hmm. explain or communicate a spiritual concept. That because because like they understand raising sheep, then you you teach them a spiritual concept connected to what happens with sheep. Then they go, oh oh okay, I can see that. Or you you know you are are to planting a, a tree or, or an orchard. Or, so so parables generally use very natural things to convey concepts, uh, spiritual concepts. So it says uh, in verse fourteen of uh, Matthew twenty five, it says for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling in a far country who called his own service and delivered uh, his goods to them. And to one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and to each according to his ability, which I love that. God does not give you a responsibility beyond your capacity. Now, you can expand your capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may even be things happen that diminish your capacity, but as long as you own that with God, and, mm-hmm. and stay faithful to whatever capacity you have. That's all that really matters. Mm-hmm. So, so he says, and immediately he went on his journey. Then he who had received the five talents uh, went out and traded with them and made another five talents. And he who received two talents gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came to settle accounts with him. So he who had received five talents came and brought five more talents and said, Lord, you deliver me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents. And of course, a talent is a weight of money. It's a weight of anything, a weight of gold, weight of wheat or whatever. So his Lord says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. 
He also, who had received the two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents, and look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, you have been faithful uh, over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And then the one who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have mm -hmm. not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. So <clears throat> we're gonna, look at what this guy said. We're getting beyond just the literal words that are spoken. And, we're, and within the context, we're going to try to see if we can understand what this guy says. What does it reveal about what's in his heart? Yeah. Be, I really noticed that you said, because I was afraid. Like, I really yeah. noticed he, he was afraid. So he made all these comments, starting yeah. verse 24. He said, he said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man reaping, yeah. uh, you know, where, where you haven't sown and gathering where you didn't. Uh, we didn't scatter, and I was afraid and yeah. went and hid your talent in the ground. So what, one of the things we got to say is, are we going to believe what Jesus said, or are we going to believe what this man says? Right. You know, when we read the Bible, we have to realize the Bible always provides an, an accurate account of everything that's going on, you know, but that doesn't mean that everything that's being said is true. Right. Uh, you know, like it, it, it's like in the book of Job. You know, we talk about how in the book of Job, uh, uh, so many times it will accurately record what Job and his friends says, but, but it's not true. Mm -hmm. And we find out it's not true when we get to the place where we allow God to start speaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, so Jesus says, well, let me let me tell you how I see this. He says, his Lord answered him and said, you wicked and lazy servant. All right. Now you find out, oh, no, this wasn't because <laughs> the servant really believed that his Lord was hard and unfair and unjust and right. unkind. This is because... He needed he needed that attitude to justify the yeah. fact that number he one he was wicked, yeah, uh, and number two he's lazy, right. So now he can shift all that over right. on to his Lord, right. All right. So then, uh, you know, we come down to verse uh, twenty nine, where it says, "To everyone who has, more is given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away." And cast that profitable servant into outer darkness. He didn't say send him to hell. He said send him out outer darkness. So outer darkness here is kind of is kind of uh, uh, referencing the what would be equal to the children of Israel dying in the wilderness right. but never coming into paradise. Right. It's not saying that they're going to hell, first and foremost. Right. But what is this parable about? This parable is about inheritance and rewards. Yes, yes, both. The, yes. See, the moment we change these parables to be about being saved or lost— Right. We lose, and we make it impossible for us to see what they're really about. Mm -hmm. So be before or, or when the millennium begins, we're assuming it's right when it begins, there is going to be what's called the uh, judgment seat of Christ. Mm -hmm. The judgment seat of Christ, every person stands before Jesus and every person gives an account of what he did with the resources that God gave him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and what's interesting is those people who built their life on wood, hay, and stubble, which are all perishable factors, th everything they did passes through the fire, and it says the wood, hay, and stubble is destroyed, but they're saved even as yet by the fire. And so we don't even, most people don't even figure out where that judgment seat of Christ takes place or how, how that fa factors in. But it's making it clear there that you can lose all of your rewards, all of your inheritance, and still be saved. Hmm. 
Now I'm not I'm not trying to get into once I always say that's not my point here. My report my point is inheritance and rewards. And then it says it says then everything that goes through the fire that's built on uh, gold, silver, and precious stones that's going to be preserved. And so this is this is a parable about kingdom living, kingdom expectancy, and you know, and living your life for the kingdom, and shows exactly, really, we can know now if when we stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, we can we can know now what we're going to hear. Mm-hmm. So, but the reason I assume, that, and I could be wrong about this, but the reason I assume that the judgment seat of Christ happens. Prior to the millennium, now Jesus will have more than likely come back, or there might have been a rapture. This could have taken place, you know, after you know, at, after the rapture in heaven. But we do know at three and a half years into the tribulation, then a whole new set of factors go into play, and this is where Jesus organizes all believers and and the angels. And we come back to earth with him, and we rule and reign with him. And the level of responsibility and privilege and everything that we will have that will be ours during the millennium, this is exactly what it's talking about. Enter in, you know, you know, you have been faithful in some things, so I'm going to make you rule over certain things. Well, what, what, what do I mean, rule over? Rule over what? Rule over the cities and the nations of the world based on how we have managed and developed our inheritance. This is so interesting that we're using the word a reward um, just because um, I I was um, in a situation last week where I really had to choose my attitude. That's all I'll say. You know what I'm saying? And everyone can relate to that. You're encountering something or someone, words are being spoken, and I had an opportunity to to, to go a different direction. And as I was, and and it was, and I knew I, it was like, I was so aware that I was making a choice. And I was like, wow, I'm going to choose either unconditional love or judgment, you know, here Mm -hmm. in this moment. And I chose my attitude, but it was hard. It was difficult. And then what I, what I, what I was taught, you know, talking to Jesus about it after he goes, you know, no one on earth will give you credit because no one sees what you did in that moment. No one will see how much you chose your attitude. You chose unconditional love. You chose to have my heavenly kingdom attitude towards that person rather than the earthly attitude towards that person. And he said, however, the world will give you credit. He says, but I will give you reward. And I went, wow, that's a big difference because I don't want credit. Mm-hmm. I would way rather have reward. Oh, absolutely. Now, now, see, again, the fake grace movement would say that you were in legalism. Wow. If you, expect, if you expected a benefit of any kind. Even the choices of my thoughts, my responses, no. my reactions, my reflexes no. to choose kingdom and it, and when it, and and the first thing that it would d- define as legalism, just because I just said the word, it was hard. Well, if it was yeah. hard, then that's legalism. And it's like, no, I really believe that. No. It's, it, next time it'll be easier, you know, possibly because the more times you choose, you know, to be in agreement with the kingdom, the next time it's yeah. a little easier. But you weren't doing anything to earn righteousness from God. No, I was. You weren't. No. You weren't doing anything to earn acceptance from God. No, but I knew I was choosing a kingdom alignment where unconditional love is where God's opinion is. So I was choosing unconditional love because he loves this person. I was choosing to be in agreement with his opinion. You know, and, and boy, this could sound pretty harsh, what I'm about to say. I can only I can only say this in reference to the people that to the ministers and people that I have personally counseled and worked with over the years that that got into the the destructive concepts of grace, you know, universalism. Because then you know that's where you get into a thing of, well, all right, then if you if you can't really earn anything or benefit anything, then basically What's the point of Jesus? I mean, you know, I mean, you end up going. So before long, you're into 
Right. Uh, universalism. Right. Uh, you know, ultimate reconciliation. Everybody's right. going to get saved because it, none of this makes any difference to God anyhow. Mm-hmm. And then at some point you will, so many of these people I know, find themselves in sin. I mean, living a horrible, wicked lives that all started out from I'm going to I'm going to redefine what grace is. I'm going to, I'm going to reject the idea of rewards. Well, maybe you're rejecting the idea of rewards because you look at your own life and realize if there's any reward, why do you think it's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you are standing there realizing I blew away for nothing what could have been an incredible inheritance and an incredible opportunity to serve God and and benefit the world during the millennium. Yeah, you, yeah, you're going to be wailing and gnashing teeth, but it's not because you're going to hell. It's because you you're going to heaven uh, broke. <laughs> Taking a look at you know this parable, and I and I and I think for many people, you know their their mind is you know spinning at at, at this, yeah, you, you know because it, it is challenging, yeah. Um, but yet. I think one of the highest callings we've we've been invited into is to be a good steward. Yep. So you know, but that but that's a lost that's a lost concept, right? Of this generation. But I think you know, you using the word managing your inheritance. Yep. Okay. People kind of might view you know manipulating or whatever it might be, but it, it really comes to this place where I've been given a huge responsibility of stewardship. Yep. You know, to care for. And so whether that be in my personal health, whether that be in my relationships, whether it be with my talents, you know, but there is a growth element yeah. in my life in every sphere that I that I am that should represent God's kingdom. Yeah. And where there is where where the hand of God is, there brings growth. Yep. There is life, you know, that begins to happen. And yep. so I, you know, what an invitation to begin to, again, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to be able to uh, recognize what a gift my life is. Taking a look at the life of Abraham, mm-hmm. called a friend of God, but there he was privileged to receive the counsel of God. Yep. But what a relationship, because the the extravagant reward that he had upon his life is is i believe that which the holy spirit wants to come and bring us to a place from glory to glory to glory he's changing me mm-hmm. and so that is where i steward the inheritance that i have in jesus you know uh i remember i was just meditating praying one day and i and um, and I was reading about the birth of Jesus and the fullness of time, and and this thought hit me really really strong about okay the fullness of time for well, the fullness of time everything all factors have to come into alignment, uh, you know, fullness of time that's what it means, and and I it suddenly dawned on me that one of the reasons it took God so long to bring the Savior into the world was because he had to have a mother and a father that would work his plan. And, and so, so, you know, you know, he couldn't come to somebody because he didn't violate our will. He, he, he puts opportunity before us and we follow him or we don't. And so much, of, so much of the reward that we get in this moment we're just following him in the opportunity, and right. it's like we're finding right. we're we're finding all these benefits along this yeah. path. But just but just stop and think. It took in in my estimation, it took God about four thousand years to find a man and a woman who would raise his son the mm. way he needed for him to be raised. Mm. And so, you know, so many times the reward, if you will, is built into mm. the service, and so the reward was that Mary had this. Life, even though she had persecution for it, and even though uh, there is there is some historical evidence to to that indicates that all much of Jesus' life, mm-hmm. he was kind of accused by by many of his enemies as being that bastard son of of Mary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, even though there was persecution and there were problems going on, the, the thing is, her reward was I, I'm I'm raising the Son of God. I am I am sharing every day of my life with the Son of God, mm. and so and so 
that was a reward. In, in managing our inheritance, the wisdom that the Holy Spirit is trying to bring us into is to not manage it based on the principles of greed and of the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just, I was just writing uh, in, in one of my books I'm writing right now. I was writing about how that, how that uh, God had to bring Moses into wisdom about how to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, you know, we, we have to realize there's a natural wisdom that just, you know, not good or evil, just kind of a natural ability that some people have. But primarily, all wisdom is either going to be from above or, or demonic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not saying you're using demonic wisdom to, to figure out how to cling on to. That's what this guy was. This guy, the guy with the one talent, man, he was using greed. He was using mm-hmm. deception. Mm-hmm. He was lying. He was criticizing. Yeah. He was doing all these things to try to manage and keep his inheritance based on a, a lie. Yeah. We're not, we're not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about receiving this from the wisdom that's above, pure. Mm-hmm. And peaceable, and, you know, wisdom. and all, all of these kinds of things. Yeah. And so, and so, what happens is our our journey into growth and character development. We are not doing that to get the inheritance. Right. We are doing that because we do believe we have the inheritance right and and we want to be wise stewards yes mm-hmm. that is so profound um we are not doing this to get the inheritance we're doing this from our inheritance every yep. time we choose love every time you know because this doesn't apply to people in ministries quote unquote this applies to every single one of us yep. when we choose to have this to agree with God's opinion and how we respond to others how we respond to our morning opportunity of life of yeah. how we get to respond to a new day which is so clear that we we start our new day saying this is the day the Lord has made I'm going to rejoice this day's a gift every mm-hmm. time we that's managing our inheritance that's managing yep. what is available Available to us and the access that we have. So we're not doing anything on earth to get an inheritance. Mm. All of this is from our inheritance. I think that's such a great way to sort of put an umbrella statement over everything we've been talking about to, to capitalize the concept that this is incredible, that every no one is exempt or disqualified. Yeah. We all mm-hmm. get to, with the resources that we've been given, we are going to manage our inheritance with with that gratefulness and with that with that um, yeah. not to get credit from this world, but the yeah. reward is real, and we don't do it for the reward. And you know what? Just like I was using my example, sometimes it's a choice, and sometimes it's a hard choice. It doesn't yeah. feel just in the moment. It doesn't feel like there's you know justice in this. But when we choose unconditional love and all the things that's kingdom, those yeah. that's manage our inheritance not from the principles of this world but from the principles of heaven, like you said, of the kingdom. Well, that's why in the parables of the kingdom, it, it always talks about how hard it is to enter into this life. Right, right. Not talking about how hard it is to get saved. No. How hard it is to enter this life because these principles that are all based on walking in love. Turning yeah. the other cheek, loving that's, our that's, enemies. That's, Those are yeah. hard. Those yep. are hard sometimes. Now, I, I hate to close on a negative, but one of the things we do need to point out is when God was preparing for the children of Israel way in advance, with them going into the land of Canaan, which was going to be their inheritance, one of these real obscure passages, you know, first of all, God says, well, the reason we're not going to do it now is because of the iniquity of the uh, 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 what was it, of the Amorites? Mm-hmm. Was Amorites or Amalekites? Mm-hmm. Is not yet full. And then what's interesting? There's another passage that says that when God takes the children of Israel into the land of promise, He will disinherit the people that are there now. And it's kind of interesting. It's like at one time that was their inheritance. And now, because of the way they mismanaged their life and the resources, mm-hmm. and, and you know, they turned against the people of God, you know, all, they came, became enemies. So now they got disinherited. Mm-hmm. Right. And this inheritance was now picked up by the nation it of Israel. It is sobering. 
It is sobering. So I, so I don't want to be disinherited. No. I don't I don't want to be so irresponsible with my life right. and with the lives of other people that 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 God is like, you know what? I need to take some of your gifting and some of your source resources and give them to somebody else because you ain't using them. But that's what this parable very clearly says. Mm. We're going to. So everybody might want to go read some of the parables yeah. mm-hmm. from that from perspective. From this context of, and perspective, yeah, for yeah. sure. Are we talking about inheritance? Or are we talking about heaven or hell? Yeah, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. What Thanks, an in, Jim. What a precious inheritance we've been entrusted with. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What a precious inheritance you have been entrusted with. And when you begin to activate and use that inheritance, it changes the world around you. Others benefit by it, but as well, there's a deep reward within your own heart and life. Yeah, yeah. Thanks yeah. so much, Jim. I look forward to next yep. week when we continue all the conversations. And thank you, listeners, for being part of our life. We love yes. joining with you. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.